0: Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast, presented exclusively on the Chop Sports channel of the Premier Streaming Network. We are recording this on Thursday, February 23rd. I am your host, Laurent Cortines. In this episode, Liverpool collapse, City are listless, and United prove their medal in the Europa League. But first, what is going on with English? Teams in Europe. Very strange. Some housekeeping. Please like, subscribe, share, join the show, join our WhatsApp group, join the Facebook group. Just search for the Squeaky Bum Time podcast anywhere you get your favorite podcast and subscribe or on YouTube under Laurent Cortines and please subscribe. It means everything to me. Please get involved. I enjoy it. Share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it with your mother. So, what's going on with English teams? We have a weird situation here where the English teams, Chelsea, in Europe, Chelsea, Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, Spurs, are having a hard time. The dominance that we've been so told uh, is going on in Europe isn't showing up, and A lot of the arguments for, oh, the English Premier League is too strong or, oh, the English Premier League has all the players are just bullshit. Um, There are great players and great teams all around Europe. There are great managers. And just because the narrative of money changes and breaks everything is generally true, that does not translate on the pitch. There's pressure, there's freedom, there's injury, there's... How much is this amazing league, the Premier League, actually taxing? Does the pressure from being in the wealthiest league in the world affect you? Does it damage you? Are you able to perform at your best when you are supposed to be the best league in the world? I think fundamentally... These are these moments where institutions come in. Um, I think about teams and clubs and leagues and where they are in their growth. I don't think the Premier League thinks of itself, or English football in general, thinks of itself confidently as though it belongs in Europe. Some clubs do. I think Liverpool, as an institution... I mean, I'm not saying this or Klopp or whatever. Liverpool carries itself, and we're going to talk about it running into the immovable object of the most confident club, uh, carries itself as though it has a divine right to be part of Europe. Um, And Manchester United, we saw today, did play as though they felt the moment rising to the occasion, and I got moved by that. But in general, I don't, really buy this narrative that money wins everything. Now, you could say, oh, Laurent, you're just a Manchester City fan. You have all the money in the world. But actually, my team is an example of money not buying everything. Um, It doesn't work. You do have to have history. You have to have cohesion. You have to have all the parts in place to win in Europe. You need history. You need players. You need coaching you need your ground you need your fans it's all of it together and that's why we see so few teams breaking through it's the same teams it's the teams with confidence it's the teams with sense of belonging sense of levels you must be this way you must play this high that that survive tough European games and tough European nights, because when you're empty inside and you're empty and you don't have a gear, you've got to start feeling the pressure. You've got to be like that champions league music. I'm at this club for this reason to win this game. Everything about my season is for this right now. And not every club has that. And I don't think the premier league has it. Um, if we look through the last few years, especially, I think the Europa League is a good example. Real Madrid is still winning Champions Leagues. The Europa League has been won by Spanish teams in general. Um, there's something about Europe that English teams have a hard time with. And even with all the money that is in place, there's something institutionally about English football that does not translate to European success. And I think we're seeing it again. Um, You know, it it may be just a a blip of games, but to see Chelsea stumble 1-0 to Dortmund against the yellow wall, to see City go into a hostile environment in Leipzig, now Leipzig don't have history either, but in Germany and find it hard. To see Real Madrid come in to Anfield and really boss a game at a level that hasn't been seen in history is another one. And then we see even in even down the line, Benfica defeating Club Bruges away. Now, is Club Bruges a great team? No, but Benfica has history. Or Inter at home pulling it out against Porto. So these these teams carry something. There is a, an expectation and a belief and a need to win these games. Win these games. Games. And I'm going to bring it all back together. So let's recap all this leg of the round of 16 in the Champions League. We have Bayern on a one goal lead, uh, beat PSG last week. AC Milan beat Tottenham. Benfica beat club Bruges. Dortmund have a one goal lead against Chelsea at home. Real Madrid, five. Liverpool 2, Napoli 2, antwerp Rightford nil. City 1-1 one, one as they go to Germany, and Porto behind on Inter 1-0. The second legs will be next week. Um, but we should go to Liverpool. So, what happened? This is a monumental event um, for the uninitiated Liverpool went up 2-0. For 20 minutes, they looked like themselves. They had come off a 20 minutes where they looked like themselves against Newcastle. Not so much in the second half. But the power and strength and know-how and nous of Real Madrid that they would keep playing, that they had Modric, that they had been there before, all the scars, all the energy, everything that they could possibly bring to bear, um, they did. And Real Madrid was able to get goals, get themselves back in the game relatively quickly. So um, first goal was amazing from uh, from Darwin Nunez. A flick from Salah early on, a beautiful goal. Then Salah got another one on a howler by um, by Courtois, playing out from the back. He bangs off his chest, then off his knee. Salah's there. Anfield is rocking. You cannot imagine how loud it was. And and that institutional strength of, this is Anfield, this is Liverpool, this is what we do, even in our bad seasons, Harkening back to some of the mid-2000s, the the um the the Istanbul the Champions League finals in Istanbul. Klopp is like, we'll get the tickets, we'll be there. Um, but in this case, Liverpool just couldn't control how the events would ha- would unfold after Salah got his goal. Then Vinnie Jr., an amazing player, comes down the wing. He scores an amazing tic y ball. Of course, on Alexander-Arnold's side, that's not important. Fires it in. Then a bizarre error from Allison, who I had already called the best goalkeeper of the league on 36. So this game goes in 2-2. Beautifully tied. I think Liverpool were shaken, but still in this game at 2-2. Everything seemed okay. But then for Liverpool... I think the goal that killed them was the Militao goal. So there's a foul on the edge of the box. And Liverpool are lining up. It's it's an odd place for a free kick. Modric is on the outside of the box. But towards the byline. And he and Militao just have a connection. Militao runs across the front of the goal on the six-yard box. And Modric just plays a really nice flat ball right to Militao's head. And he bangs it in. No one picks him up. No one goes with him. All the body shape of Liverpool is off. They're not really looking at the ball. They're not really prepared. And that goal completely deflates Anfield to a place that I've not heard it that way. It just went quiet. It went sad. It went to a place. I mean, as a City fan, I fear Anfield because I don't have anything like that. I can't. I can't go to any memories of City pulling something out against uh, against, against uh, Liverpool. When you're at Anfield, you feel all of it, and Real Madrid just didn't. They had calm, they had cool, they had Modric, they had Camavinga, and they just played it. Very cool. And Edin, Edin uh, Fedez Fernandez. Fede Fernandez. Oh, I got his name wrong. Um, let me just make sure I got his name right because he was so, so good. Yeah. Valver, sorry. Fede Valverde, Modric, and Camavinga just bossed this game entirely. I think Alaba going off and Nacho coming on really locked up um, the joy that Liverpool were having and after that third goal liverpool died it was like a funeral and then the the power of the of the madrid midfield just started picking things up and it just started going boom 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 uh and then late goals a goal by benzema on 55 and 67 really good goals really easy stuff and liverpool were dead um just kind of a sad state of affairs for what we had i think there was there was hope that liverpool liverpool's problems they've had defensively with joe gomez and trent alexander arnold would not translate into the champions league that the issues they've been having in the league and the power the powerlessness of the midfield would not translate to the Champions League, that they could lift themselves up and find this thing again, that they could find Fabinho again and find Jordan Henderson again, and that energy in the midfield would come back and they would be able to press and do all the things that they've been able to do. But the same things um, that have plagued Liverpool all year plagued them still. They can't press from the front and defend. The midfield can't get around the park to disrupt things in the flow. And they still play the high line, assuming that all the things they used to do would still get done. Uh, And so they just got cut to pieces. And Benzema is the best finisher in the world. And in his later years, has been shown to be one of the best players of all time. He's up there. He's in the group. Um, And it was a really good performance by Real Madrid. And I should talk about them a lot more. But I'm not as familiar, obviously, because I don't watch them every day. I know that in the league, they're just doing okay. But for an institution like Real Madrid, the Champions League is their season. It is what they measure themselves against. And as we saw last season when they came back again and again and again against Chelsea, against PSG, against City, against Liverpool, and Cortá stood on his head in the final. They have an institutional strength that is beyond Anfield. They do not accept losing. It is not allowed. When you put on that Madrista shirt, that white shirt of Di Stefano, of Figo, of Raul, of Cristiano, of, of Zidane, of all the players who've come before, of Huberto Sanchez, of all of them that have come before, you feel the weight of every one of those trophies. and. If you can't match it, you're not on the squad. That You just get benched, You disappear. But if you can, you carry that strength with you. And the ghosts are with you as opposed to against you. So the ghosts of Anfield versus the ghosts of Real Madrid clash. And it was Real Madrid that came out on top. Now, none of this is... None of this is... Re- it's, not, it's not that it's not real. It's just that these things are... They come out in the wash and whatever. You have to have talent. You have to be there. You have to be a great coach. But I think at these levels of football, where these teams are really good, you get exposed for your biggest weaknesses. And Bassitich, being 18 years old and trying to be in the midfield of the biggest game in the world, going against Luka, Luka Modric, he started. He lost control of the game a little bit. Gomez lost control of the game a little bit, and the moments just were bigger than them in in, in this game. And I think this is the end of Liverpool as. Klopp's first wave. These games happen on occasion. Uh, I think of... I think of uh, PSG getting killed by Barcelona and that being the end when when Neymar was still good and they just got slaughtered. Uh, the... I don't know. It has, it has a name. Um, and then Barcelona getting killed by Liverpool on the comeback. And that just meant Messi's time was done. They were done or or Bayern getting killed and, and and Pep being like, I can't with this team. So there are things that happen in Europe that your team has seminal moments that they can't come back from. And I think for Liverpool, this is it. This is the end of this group. And I don't think anyone can pretend that it's not. Uh, it's not to say everything that Liverpool has done doesn't matter or that they're done or Klopp needs to be fired. But this group, this version of Liverpool with I'd say I'd, I'd, let's call it the Jordan Henderson version of Liverpool maybe even Van Dyke has to change as well is over and um, they have to look very hard in the mirror and see where they want to go see if they can compete and see if they can be a part of a, of a rebuild uh, Klopp, Klopp has not done that before many managers haven't this isn't a knock on Klopp um, it's just it's really hard to go again and go to the studs and back up again. Um, City have done it, sort of, but it was already being done, and they sort of reloaded. There's like the first half of Pep's group, and now this is the back half, and we're trying to redo it again. So that's where they are. Uh, Liverpool just take it on the chin and have the worst loss in Champions League at Anfield ever. And that's just a fact. Like they gave up five goals and uh, Madrid fans were doing oles. That happened. That's real. And so they're hurting. Uh, This is one of those moments of, do you need to suffer? In this case, Liverpool have done their suffering and won. This is now, okay, we can't fuck around. We're done. We need to start again. So that's where Liverpool are. Um, And it does sort of take me into my themes around where English teams are because City also drew in a game against leipzig and this was a little bit different i don't think city are necessarily in trouble the way that um, city aren't in trouble the way that the way that liverpool are but they they they're having the same problems over and over again in this game city completely controlled the first half to the point that you're just like oh they're bossing this game they've got it under control Riyad Mahrez fires City ahead in the first half, and it's it's an easy game. City doing that weird thing with Bernardo Silva as a fullback again, but a little bit different. It's um, it's Diaz, Ake, Akanji. Yeah, still no. Oh, and Kyle Walker. So Kyle, it is a regular back four. Sorry, I didn't see how the formation was weird here. So it's a regular back four, and you know but no de bruyne. Uh de bruyne had a tough game on the weekend. Rod uh Bernardo was in the role of bossing this thing and running around and he did everything he was supposed to. This game's narrative was why don't City play in Arling Holland? It's another referendum, another moment of just like what are City doing? Why don't they ha- they have a it's like we have a nuke and we don't use it. So all through the first 60 55 minutes of the game, City were in complete control of this game. I don't even think, I'm just looking here, Um, Leipzig did not take their first shot on target until the end of the first half, and then all of the second half is really Leipzig until they get their goal, and then they shut it down again. Um, The thing is, you could see it. Again, what I talked same sort of thing that I talked about with the Nottingham Forest game. Leipzig bring on fresh legs. Um, It's of course it's Guardiola on a header on seventy. They bring in Unkuku and Hendricks, and you could see Leipzig getting control of the game. And all the City fans are just like Pep, do something, play the ball to Holland, do anything that's not nothing. And again, City don't make any subs. And the fresh legs of Leipzig and the lift that they're getting from these new players on the pitch, City just don't respond to it. And Pep comes back with the same thing. Oh, we played great. We had control of the game, yada, 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 the same thing. Um, From a City fan perspective, we just see our team not reacting to energy being lifted up, uh, not reacting to... You know, it's, is, it, is Pep tinkering? Not reacting to Erling Holland. It seems everyone on City is afraid to play the ball to Holland. It's as though there's two competing things inside the mind of Manchester City. One is we've got to control these games, and we saw that first half. City completely control this game. Not even a kick for um, for Leipzig. Second half, they lose a little bit of control. But then don't react to that loss of control by attacking. They sort of keep trying to get control of the game again, but they're they've lost some legs, and we don't see the ball into Holland. So as a City fan, you're just like, where is the attacking impetus? It's not there. Where is it? So all these players on the bench, we see we've got Calvin Phillips, Julian Alvarez, Phil Foden, Cole Palmer, Rico Lewis amazing players that just don't come on they can change a game and they don't there's barely a ball played to holland uh if i look at his stats he does not he takes one shot and only has 21 touches and it was a good shot he was the actually number one in expected goals for city oh no that's not true riyad Mahrez, obviously he scored a goal so he gets that half a half a point for a goal but City didn't even create anything. They weren't really even trying for the my proverbial favorite stat of uh, shot creating actions. They're very low. They didn't really do much. The number, all the passes were in the back. It was slow. Um, and as you go from front to back, there's less and less touches. Uh, Gundogan had opportunities to to play in Holland. He doesn't even pick his head up. Uh, Rodri, I mean, sorry, Bernardo Silva doesn't even put a ball forward. And it's unfortunate because, you know, City should have won this game and didn't. And now there's a little bit of that stagnation again, a little bit of that doubt creeping into the team. And Pep's again having to lift this team up. Um, It seems that the only player who defies Pep is KDB. But when he defies him too much or it doesn't work, um, he gets benched like as though he's tired. So he had a seven shot game. None of them on target, didn't score a goal, and then he gets benched in the Champions League. He did look exhausted, by the way, at the end of the Nottingham Forest game, but he seems to be the only one who's got the guts enough to play balls into Holland for fear that they may not work. Another thing here, and I hate VAR, and I'm not really interested in what happened uh, on it, but City had a – on the goal by Garvey Diol – Gavardiol, he jumps on top of Ruben Diaz. Okay, fine. He uses him as a pogo stick. Okay, fine. I don't want that penalty to be... I don't want that goal to be chopped off. And then on the 92nd minute, a final cross before the whistle is blown, there's a clear handball. Um, That's just not called. It just is. Uh, The player bats the ball with his hands and it's just not called. They don't go to VAR. So I don't want those calls. So... VAR, you know, I'm anti-VAR. It's just one of these things where you're just like, well, if it's there, at least look at it. At least tell me what the reason is. But City did not lose draw this game because of VAR. They drew this game because there is something about this team that can't square the concept of control and playing in Holland. They just can't jive that... When he runs forward, they don't play the ball to him. So they, they'd they rather keep the ball, circulate it, play defense with the ball than play in Holland, lose the ball and, and have counterattacks. I can't explain it. It's fucking bizarre. I hate it. <laughs> uh I don't know how I don't have a better way to put it. Uh, but you know. And then we should go to what was the game of the day. Um I have to say that and and I don't want to admit it but <sighs> Manchester United played Barcelona at Old Trafford. Uh first half was tough for United. They had a hard time. Um Ten Hag went again with um with um uh up front. Uh that didn't quite work again. But City did get the get the win two one on aggregate. Uh, down in the first half on a not dubious penalty. If you watch it, uh, Bruno does pull uh, the defender, the player's arm. Uh, Robert Lewandowski looks completely nervous, almost misses the penalty, but then does end up getting it done. Then in the second half, after the changes, uh, off comes off comes Val. Anthony comes on, changes how United play. They just become much more attacking with impetus and power and strength and energy and speed, exploiting the weaknesses of Barcelona. And Fred and Casemiro just stuff the midfield of Barcelona in their pockets. They're full of running. They're full of energy. Old Trafford's lifted up on Fred's amazing goal. Then on 73, Anthony scores one because he comes on for veg from the wing. And the place erupts I can talk about it and get goosebumps. And I know, uh, Christian, I'm not supposed to get excited about other teams, but I love football. Uh, And I love to hear what what drives me and what makes me happy about football is the energy that the fans give. I feel that humanity, that in unison, that joy of 60,000 people all feeling it at the same time. You can't help but get swept up in it. Uh, it's a little bit like Nuremberg to me. You know, when you're at Old Trafford, you know they might be hmm, something fishy, but you do get lifted up, and you do feel it, and you do sense the moment, and you do, especially with, at Old Trafford, especially with these legacy clubs like Barcelona and 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 Liverpool and Real Madrid and and Bayern Munich and 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 AC Milan and Inter and these clubs that that have history, it does matter. I'm not naive. You can feel it. And the momentum can go against you. And Barcelona did start to will. Um, But again, like Real Madrid, they did pick themselves up. They were able to get back into the fight. And, and there was a moment right at the end where, um, Lewandowski had a shot and it was saved off the line. So, I mean, Varane was immense. Um, early in the game, you know, Barcelona created chances. They're gonna they're gonna rue not winning this thing and they're gonna talk about the chances they had that they didn't take. But for Barcelona, you know, they they just don't they're not dynamic enough and don't have the legs in these games to lift themselves up to, to win a game like this. So I'm trying to find the box score of this game. Oh, here we go. Uh, sorry about that. It's just a little bit funky on the old FB ref. Cause I get that nerd on, uh, it says the XG was the same. I don't necessarily buy it, but if I look at the first half, there were some really big opportunities uh, that, De Gea saved. I'm just trying to find the right one. Where's the one at the end? Doesn't even show up. This is this might not be the right game. This might be the other game. Anyway, United win. It was amazing. Uh, very good. Very strong performance. And again, this is more about feelings. This is more about two big clubs who lift themselves up and, and have a level of passion and and lift that other clubs don't have. Uh, I loved what Ten Hag did. He went for it, takes off Wambasaka who who is defending for his life. Brings on Garnacho, takes off Velez Horse on 45, brings on Anthony, and all that young legs and energy is what drives United forward. Because you know, this is the these are the things that and and Dallow coming on for um, for Wambasaka and just sort of changing things up. Um, these are the things that lift up a team. These are the things that make things happen. It's the youth. This is what Alex Ferguson always talked about is you've, if you have young players, they have a different thing. They they elevate a crowd. And I think um, Ten Hag being from Ajax, he knows that intrinsically. They've been a team that has lived on young players. They mix it up, but fundamentally, it's a side that... Um, lives off its youth and, and that energy of its crowd. So uh, just an amazing game, a lot of energy, a lot of positivity. I know John, uh, John Santana was living, was over the moon with this, and just a, a great performance and just, just another moment for United to sort of feel good about where they are. Now, they're in the Europa League. Let's just make that clear. They're not in the big dance, they're in the little dance, but there was two big boys in the little dance, so uh, this was an odd game and an odd heavyweight matchup in a lesser division, so I do have to get my digs in. This is the Europa League, you're not, uh, you're not so badass, uh, you're in your shit league, but I want to call out two players, Casemiro and Fred, just fucking fantastic, just so good. Just kicking the shit out of people, taking the ball off people, just energy and moving the team forward. Casemiro has got to be the signing of the season for any club, just a great player. And Varane as well. Just that Real Madrid DNA in these players, in the context of another strong club, they understand these moments and these nights. They've been playing for these games their whole lives. So just an amazing performance. And I probably said the same thing over and over again, but just great energy, just what you love football for, frankly. Two big teams on a European night with good fans. Uh, just really good stuff. Exciting. Uh, and United move on. I should probably go through the rest of the Europa League scores just because it's a weird competition. I talked about the um, the previous previous scores. Europa League has way too many games. Salzburg 1 0 over Roma, Barcelona 2 2. That was like Ajax 0 0 Union Berlin. That was the previous thing. Oh, we were all, we, these were all second legs. So PSV takes out Sevilla. Oh, do they? I can't even tell. Uh, Sporting go past Michelin, Leverkusen beat Monaco on penalties. Um, Juve go past Nau. Uh Roma pass Red Bull Salzburg, and the great and powerful Union Berlin. Take out mighty Ajax. Shakhtar Donetsk, oh, good for you, but sad. Stad Renz loses on penalties on a last-minute shanked shot by an 18-year-old and United pass through um, against Barcelona. So, friends, we now leave Europe for now, return to the friendly confines of the Premier League, And uh, just want to go through the schedule just to get everybody back on side because we had this exciting European nights, but we have this league that we're all in that we have to get back to. Meanwhile, in the Premier League, um, we uh, have to pick up back where we were and uh, we have a game on Friday, tomorrow, Fulham v. Wolves, you know, Fulham pushing for European places, Good stuff there. Very exciting. And uh, we move through that game. And then we're going to talk about a new friend, a new old friend returning to the Premier League. Then we have Newcastle vs Brighton. That's a Saturday early game. Leicester vs. Arsenal away at the King Power. Everton and the mighty fighting Daishas take on the wound-licking Aston Villa after they lose to um, Arsenal. West Ham, Nottingham Forest. I don't think that West Ham thought this was a relegation six pointer. Forrest don't have to win this game. West Ham do. Forrest, not great on the road. We'll see what happens. And the great and powerful Leeds United, with their new manager, Javi Gracia, uh, take on Southampton. Bournemouth play Manchester City. This is a recipe for City fucking getting healthy and kicking the shit out of somebody, please. Then Palace play Liverpool at home. Palace secretly terrible. This is might be just what Liverpool need. Then Chelsea on Sunday play, play Tottenham at Tottenham. Chelsea, we talked about earlier in the last episode. Why do they need a win? Then City host Brentford and we have more midweek makeup games, but that will take us through the week's matchups. I'm going to go on to Javi Gracia. Last seen as manager of Watford. There are many, many, many uh, Watford managers um he was good uh when he was the manager of Leeds I actually liked him quite a lot of of um Watford and I think that they made a mistake in letting him go uh he's a good coach I think he's a 442 coach uh and he's gonna probably be a little bit more structured. You know, these Spanish coaches, they are very good. He's going to bring, he's more, he's more Unai Emery than Bielsa, uh, a good coach, a capable coach. Uh, Again, the Premier League just is the place that good coaches go. And he will try and whip, he will try and whip. leads into shape Uh, his previous job. He was in Saudi Arabia at Al Saad and he had, after Watford went to Valencia, Valencia being a club that's really in bad shape. Uh, He spent a season in Valencia. um, You know, a lot of draws didn't really do much. He was doing really well in Al Saad. So, but he's a good, good manager. He was the manager of Watford when they were runner ups to city in the FA Cup and famously lost 6-0. And then they only gave him like a handful of games the the next season and fired him (laughs) right away. Uh, Right, he was sacked in September of that season. So, and then he sort of was in Valencia, had an okay season, finished 14th and was dismissed. But he's a decent coach. Um, Not a guy who's won any trophies, but he's capable, had... Been at many, many, many clubs, been coaching since 2007. So he's just got a steady hand, probably a bit of a firefighter. We'll get, uh, we'll get leads defending and hopefully, you know, he's got 430 matches, 15-year career, just gets coaching and he'll be fine for leads. It's not a Sexy appointment. He's like the eighth choice appointment for Leeds, but Leeds just need a coach. They need something to get themselves moving again. There's plenty of time, there's plenty of games. You know, we know someone's going to go down. We just don't know who it is. <laughs> uh, you know, I think about Southampton playing Leeds. Southampton had that amazing win against Chelsea uh, with uh, James Ward prowse but at Ellen Road, This is about as must-win a game for Leeds as they've had since the last must-win game uh, last season. But uh, we'll see where that goes. Oh, I do actually have to mention, I made a mistake here. Brighton and Newcastle are not playing. Newcastle is not, sorry, Newcastle is not playing Brighton. Manchester United are not playing Brentford. They have the League Cup final. So (laughs) we have the first trophy of the domestic season, Newcastle versus Man United on Sunday at Wembley. Sorry about that, folks. Just got a little bit uh, ahead of my skis there. Uh, I think I like this as a Newcastle opportunity after United put so much effort on that Thursday night. Newcastle should be rested. Yes, they're missing something, but how's, how's United supposed to get up after this Thursday game? So I think... United would have been favorites, especially the way Ten Hag has been coaching, especially the way the team has been going. Uh, I did see Rashford pull up a little bit. I don't think he was injured, but, you know, they had been running hard. Those are intense night games, and we'll see what level this, this Thursday game does Make it a more even matchup for Newcastle. And we know the Geordies will come out in force for the League Cup final. So <laughs> apologies there. I did seem to miss that game. So the League Cup final coming in for Newcastle versus Man United on Sunday. Um, but that's really it. I don't think I've got too many other things that I need to hit on. Uh was feeling a little bit tired, a little bit jaded for this episode. But yeah. League Cup final, Sunday, um, big games, reset for Liverpool, and City needing to get back in action and get themselves back together. Let's just make sure we're aware of what the standings are and where we are in the league right now. Um, Arsenal on top, five points clear of Manchester City. Is that – no, two points clear of Manchester City. Arsenal have a game in hand. United, three points behind City. City will now have an extra game. United will have to make up that game. Then there's a gap of seven points to Tottenham in fourth. Then Newcastle on 41. Fulham on 38 in sixth. Three points behind them is Brighton on 35. Liverpool also on 35. Exactly tied with Brighton. So just to give you a sense, Brighton and Liverpool are in exactly the same space. Even on XG, they're close together. So uh, XG difference for Brighton is 9.5. XG difference for Liverpool is plus 8. But Brighton don't have a 9-0 in that group. So Brighton have actually been better than Liverpool. Then Brentford, unbeaten in 7th on 35. Three teams tied on 35, Liverpool, Brighton, and Brentford. Then a little gap, four points to Chelsea in 10th, who are desperate for a win, The poor Graham Potter experience is not going well. Then you have Ten Hag coming in just a few months before. Yes, he had a preseason, but doing so well. Uh, Aston Villa in 11th on 28. Crystal Palace on 26. How they're staying there, I don't understand. But uh, Nottingham Forest in 13th, safe for now. Six points above the relegation zone. Leicester on 24. Wolves on 23. Everton on 21. Bournemouth on 21. West Ham on 20. Leeds on 19 and Southampton on 18. So the relegation battle is still really, really close. Uh, Really, really close. Not anyone cut loose. Uh, Again, I keep saying that West Ham shouldn't go down. And they are plus two in XG, (laughs) which is shocking. Um, But they are where they are because they have not scored the goals you would expect them to amazing amazing stuff um but that takes us into the weekend that was the squeaky bum time podcast with your host Laurent Cortines we are the football wing of the chop sports network and presented exclusively by the premier streaming network We record on Tuesdays and Thursdays, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And if you're listening on Apple or any other podcast producer, please like and review the show. It means everything to us. Thank you and good night.